Dr. Seward's Diary Continued 22. September It is all over. Arthur has gone back to Ring and has taken Quincy Morris with him. What a fine fellow is Quincy. I believe in my heart of hearts that he suffered as much about Lucy's death as any of us, but he bore himself through it like a moral Viking. If America can go on breeding men like that, she will be a power in the world indeed. Van Helsing is lying down, having a rest preparatory to his journey. He goes to Amsterdam tonight, but says he will return tomorrow night, that he only wants to make some arrangements, which can only be made personally. He is to stop with me then, if he can. He says he has work to do in London which may take him some time. Poor old fellow, I fear that the strain of the past week has broken down even his iron strength. All the time of the burial he was, I could see, putting some terrible restraint on himself. When it was all over, we were standing besides Arthur, who, poor fellow, was speaking of his part in the operation, where his blood had been transfused to his Lucy's veins. I could see Van Helsing's face grow white and purple by turns, Arthur was saying he felt since then as if they too had been really married, and that she was his wife in the sight of God. None of us said a word of the other two operations, and none of us ever shall. Arthur and Quincy went away together to the station, and Van Helsing and I came on here. The moment we were alone in the carriage, he gave way to a regular fit of hysterics. He has denied to me since that it was hysterics, and insisted that it was only a sense of humor asserting itself under very terrible conditions. He laughed till he cried, and I had to draw down the blinds, lest anyone should see us and misjudge. And then he cried, till he laughed again, and laughed and cried together, just as a woman does. I tried to be stern with him, as one is to a woman under the circumstances, but it had no effect. Men and women are so different in manifestations of nervous strength or weakness. Then, when his face grew grave and stern again, I asked him why his mirth, and why at such a time. His reply was in a way characteristic of him, for it was logical and forceful and mysterious. He said, Ah, You don't comprehend, friend John. Do not think that I am not sad, though I laugh. See, I have cried even when the laugh did choke me. But no more think that I am sorry when I cry, for the laugh he come just the same. Keep it always with you, that laughter who knock at your door and say, May I come in? It is not true laughter. No, he is a king, and he come when and how he like. He asks no person, he choose no time of suitability. He say, I am here. Behold an example, I grieve my heart out, for that so young, sweet girl. I give my blood for her, though I am old and worn, 